I want to say hello to everyone at Faith Promise Church and especially to my good friend, Pastor Chris. I love you so much and it was great getting to spend some time with you a few weeks ago. I am so honored that Pastor Chris asked me to preach this message today called The Principle of First. This is the most important message that I could share with you about putting God first in your life. And I promise you, as you put this principle into action in your life, you will see results because when God's first, everything comes in order. God really does want to bless us so that we can be a blessing. All right, I want to talk to you today about this word blessed, and I want to give you a principle that is the, the this is the best message that I can share with you about being blessed. And of course, blessed, uh, there's the, the, the Hebrew word, the, the Greek word is makarios, and it means happy. And all of us want to be happy. We want to have joy in our life. So that's what it means to be blessed. The Hebrew word actually means to get behind someone and, and push them and to help them. So it'd be okay. Wouldn't it be okay if God got behind you in your marriage and pushed you forward or your business or your health or your relationships or raising children or would, would that be okay? So blessed is not a bad word. It's a really good biblical word that some people have taken too far, but it's a, it's a really good word. So if you turn to Exodus chapter 13, uh, the title of the message today is the principle of first. And as I said, this is the best message I can preach to you uh, on this topic. Now, it's not the best message, obviously. Pastor Todd can do a lot better than I can, but it's, a, it's the best one I can do, all right? So it's called the principle of first, and this is a principle that runs all through Scripture. And let me just encapsulate it for you. If God is first in your life, then everything can come into order. But if God's not first, then nothing can come into order. So we have to understand that, and we're going to talk about our finances, and this is just one way we can put God first, but I think it's one of the most important ways because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when God's first in your treasure, he can be first in your heart. See what I'm saying? All right, so Exodus chapter 13, this is a little Old Testament tea. Okay, so just stay with me and we'll see what, what the lesson is through this or the principle. Exodus 13, verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me. Consecrate's a big word which means set aside, set apart. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast. Now watch these three words. It is mine. It, it literally means it's my property, it belongs to me. It belongs to God. Then look down at verses 12 and 13. That you shall set apart to the Lord, there's the set apart, consecrate, set aside to the Lord, all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Or again, ownership, possession, shall belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. We'll explain that. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Now, I just want to comment on one thing here. What he's saying is, if you don't give it back to me because it belongs to me, you're gonna lose it anyway. It's still going out of your account, but it'd be a whole lot better for your account to be blessed. But it's going out of you, you're gonna lose it if you don't, but it's a be there's a better way than losing it, and that's giving it, all right? 
And then he says, and all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Okay, so I have three points. Um, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write these down. Uh, so here's the first one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That, that's what we just read. I'm just putting it in, one, in, a, in a topic, a header that we can look at. The firstborn, according to Exodus 13, I know this is under the law, but we're going to talk about the principle behind the law. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, but how do you know which? How do you know which to do? How do you know whether to sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, he gives us two animals that are exemplary of classifications animals of animals. One, the lamb is exemplary, an example of clean animals. The donkey is an example of unclean animals. So if it's a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed. If it's an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed, bought back, because it doesn't belong to you, has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, again, I know that's real Old Testament-y, but there's always a principle. 1 Corinthians 10 says everything. Everything that was written, it was written for our instruction, our admonition. So you always want to say what's the principle behind the law, okay? So um, if it's, let's go over it again. If it's a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed. If it's an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of clean. Okay, so what in the world does that mean for us? All right, a couple of questions. Were you and I, when we were born into this world in our spiritual condition before God, were we born clean or unclean? Unclean, right? Because we were all born in sin. Uh, I, can, I can prove that by simply asking the experts in the room, uh, the parents, did you have to teach your children to be bad? <laughs> or, or did it come naturally for them? Yeah. Comes natural to be bad, we have to teach them to be Good, right? And to obey. All right. So because we're all born with a sin nature. So all of us were born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. Okay, listen to me. Listen, you're going to like this. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. In Exodus chapter 13. That's the principle behind this. Now, listen, when we talk about the firstborn and first fruits, both of these are a principle that refers to tithing or the first 10%. But let me take this a little bit farther. Jesus had to be sacrificed so we could be redeemed. So I'm going to say it in a way maybe you've never even thought about this. Jesus is God's tithe. The reason is you give the tithe first. You don't pay all your bills and then give the, the 10%. You give the first 10%. God said when, you have a, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the first one. See, it takes faith to give the first one. He didn't say wait until your sheep has 10 lambs and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that's get, getting in your garden that you don't like. He said you give me the first one when you don't even have the other nine. See, that always takes faith. It's not the principle of just the number 10 that, that brings the blessing, it's the principle of faith. It's that you give the first 10%. And the reason that Jesus is God's tithe is because he's the firstborn, God calls him the firstborn and the first fruits, and it's, so, it's because God gave him first. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we loved him, he first 
loved us. God didn't wait to see if we would clean up and straighten up to give Jesus. He gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. See, the first portion is the redemptive portion. In other words, the first portion has the ability that if it's given to God, if it's consecrated to God, it blesses the rest. It brings the other 90% out from under the curse. And it's not God's curse. We live in a cursed world. We live in a fallen world. So God says, I'd like to bring your finances out from under the curse. And the way I do that is you redeem them. You bring them back under the blessing by giving me the first 10%, by returning the first 10% to me. So um, it's so important to understand this. And it's such a, a principle that is just uh, it's a principle. It's simple. We're, ne- next week, we're going to talk about how God calls it an ordinary principle for the people of God. It's just ordinary to do this. My, uh, you saw a picture of my son-in-law up there. And so I have two boys and a daughter. And so when my daughter was the youngest. And when um, she started dating, you know, I interviewed all the guys, you know. And I mean, just normal stuff. You know, bring them in the house, show them my gun collection. Just normal <laughs> Normal things that a father would do, you know. And um, so anyway, was, uh, they were, uh, were standing around our young adult service, and he'd begun, he had, had got permission, he'd begun dating my daughter. And there were eight or nine of them standing around talking after service, and they were kind of talking about what's it like to date the pastor's daughter, you know, kidding with him. And she's standing there too. And then one of them said to my daughter, you know, your dad is so strong about tithing, I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And my daughter said, he does. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a real simple question. I'm really not trying to be mean, so please don't get offended when I say this because I'm using biblical language here. But why would I give my daughter to a thief? And that's scriptural. That's that's Joshua 7 and Malachi 3. God says, you've stolen. Because we just saw, he said, it's mine. It belongs to me. Um, here, here's another question. Why would I give my daughter to a guy that can't even handle money? That can't even be trusted with dollars and cents? Scripture says if you can't be, uh, if you can't be trusted with money, he'll give you the true riches. And my daughter's true riches. And if you can't handle money, I can guarantee you can't handle her because she is a handful. So... <laughs> All right, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's the second point. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Now, if if you'll stay in Exodus 13, I'm going to come back to that. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your possessions. That's pretty clear, what you own, what you make. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits, your first income of all your increase, your income. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring, notice the word bring, into the house of the Lord your God. Now next week we'll go into a little bit more, but uh, the tithe always comes to the house of God. It never goes to a Christian ministry, Christian school, Christian university. The first 10% always comes to the house of God. And that's all through scripture. And I'll show you more of that next weekend, okay? But uh, I want you to notice the word bring. Because when God talks about the word 
when he talks about the principle of tithing, he uses the word bring. He doesn't use the word give. Here's the reason. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can just bring it. You can just return it. See, it's all through Scripture giving the first to God. Think about when they went in the promised land. Here's what God said. He said, bring, he used the word bring, all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. The first always comes into the house of the Lord, and you're to bring it, okay? Bring it all from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Okay, but why didn't he say 10%? Why did he say bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord? It's real simple. Jericho was the first city. Here's what he's saying. You, you bring me the first, the rest are redeemed. The rest are blessed now. I'll take care of the rest as long as you just bring me the first. When I was in um, college, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor was real honest. He was a very godly, humble man. And he said, you know, I really don't know. I don't have any revelation on that scripture. And later when I studied firstborn and first fruits, the Lord took me back to that because I was looking up the word firstborn and first fruits throughout the whole Bible. And he took me back to that. And it's, it's simple to see why God accepted Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain's. Watch how clear this is. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, those words are very important. In the process of time, it just kind of came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it specifically does not say first fruits. Abel also brought of the, what? Firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Notice he didn't just respect the offering, he respected the person that brought it. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. You see, Cain was a farmer. He didn't bring first fruits. He just brought an offering in the process of time. Abel was a rancher, he brought the firstborn. Can I say something else about what Cain did? Cain gave what he wanted, when he wanted. Pastor, I, I just give as I feel led. I really, I don't want to be too sarcastic. That's, that's just stupid. <laughs> you know, now, really it's not. You do give offerings over and above as you feel led. But the tithe, we have very specific instructions of what you're to do with the tithe. That's like saying, well, I, I love my wife when I feel led. Well, how's that working out for you? <laughs> okay. So it's here. Uh, now, let me tell you some things. It's God received Abel and his offering. He did not receive Cain and his offering. So, so we need to go into this a little more theologically. There are some things that God can't do. Now, I know you've been taught very good theology here, so you understand some people think, well, God can do anything because he's God. No, God can never act outside of himself. He can never do anything against his character. For instance, God can't lie because he is truth. Jesus didn't, just, Jesus didn't say, I know the truth. He said, I am the truth. I am truth. So God can never lie. So let me tell you a few things God can't do, and some of these are kind of humorous when you think about it. Um, one is God can't change. He can't change. The, the theological word, doctrinal word for this is immutability. Uh, the reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better. And God can't get better because he's best. See what I'm saying? Okay, so right, let me tell you another thing God can't do. Because I'm going to bring it around to Cain and Abel. Uh, God can't think the way we think. He cannot think the way we think. 
The, again, the theological word is omniscience. It comes from two words. Just break these words down. Omni means all. Science, that's exactly the way it's spelled, means knowledge. God has all knowledge. God knows everything. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God knows everything at the same time. Now, you think about that this week, and you'll trip a breaker. I mean, God knows everything at the same time. The, the reason God doesn't think the way we think is because we think to try to figure things out. He's not trying to figure anything out. He already knows it. He knows everything. Okay, let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He never, never said that. He knows everything. And, and when I said God can't think the way we think, you might have even thought, well, wait, you said God can't think. No, I didn't say he can't think. I said he can't think the way we think. And you might have remembered a scripture and thought, yeah, but there's a scripture. Uh-huh, that scripture proves this doctrine. Here's what it says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So, so why am I saying there's some things God can't do? Let me take it to Cain label now. God can't be second. He can't be. This is called his preeminence. Eminence actually means first of all, higher than all, but pre now means first of the first of all, higher than the highest of all, before the first of all. When you put that, God is always first, always first. So it's not just that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering. Listen to me. He couldn't accept Cain's offering because it wasn't a first offering. Um, now, we preachers like to use the word, put God first in your life, the phrase. That's fine. It's a good analogy. But let me just let you know, if God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. <laughs> you, you didn't rearrange the cosmos, okay? He's still first. So this is why we need to understand the principle of first. Because when God's first in your life, everything in your life has the ability to line up. Well, he's not first. Everything is going to be out of order. And finances relate to your heart. That's what Jesus said. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The second thing is first fruits must be offered. Here's the third point. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture for the exact same reason of firstborn and first fruits. All right? Leviticus 27.30 says, And all... All, y'all see the word all? You know what the Hebrew word for all means? All. Uh, okay, so, um, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. There's the ownership again. It belongs to the Lord or it's been set aside. That's what the next verse says, next sentence. It is holy. Holy again means set apart to the Lord. I know God owns it all. But for some reason, he's set apart. We'll actually talk about what the reason is next weekend. He has set apart that first 10% for himself. And I'll tell you exactly why in next weekend's message, all right? But let me give you a, a thing to understand about tithe. The reason the tithe must be first is it belongs to God, and God's always first. That, that's why firstborn, first fruits, the tithe is first. Um, so let me give you a, an example, but I've got to give you a math example, okay? So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To half of you, I'm sorry. Um, 
And so half of you can kind of, you know, uh, check your email for a minute. But okay, so please don't do that. But um, I'm good at math. I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm really not. Uh, but I'm really good at math. My father is actually a, math, a mathematical genius, certified by the University of Texas. He's a mathematical genius. He's a genius. He, he and my, my, uh, one of my sons, apparently it skips a generation, <clears throat> But he and one of my sons, my second-born son, uh, my second-born son scored in the top 1% of the top 1% in advanced college algebra. And they used to do, uh, he went to Baylor University, and they used to do uh, algebraic uh, 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 problems uh, over the phone, my father and my son. And it was like fun to them, okay? So, and I didn't have any idea. I thought, you know, how many apples can Sally have, you know? So, um, <laughs> But one thing that I did get from my father is, is numbers add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. Some of you, this happens to you. They just add up. Well, if you named numbers, I would get the, I'd have the sum of them. You know, it just adds up. And so one time, uh, Debbie and I were buying something. It was $7.99. And the lady said, I'll have to figure the tax on the um, calculator because the cash register is broken. And I just said immediately, I said, it's 66 cents. And she looked at me for a moment, you know, and then she did her little thing. She said, it's 66 cents. <laughs> and uh, I didn't say, yeah, I know. I just said, okay, thanks. So we went out, we got in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? Now, I thought that she was actually asking me. <laughs> How I did it. I found out later she couldn't care less how I did it. She was just kind of complimenting me. You know, that's amazing how you do that, you know. But she said, how do you do that? So I said to her, well, sugar, uh, 7.99 is close to 8. Our tax rate's 8.25. 8 times 8 is 64. Quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said to me, uh, it doesn't. <laughs> and then she said, but I know how much 25% off is. <laughs> I said, well, so now I'm st still, man, we're just idiots. I'm still, oh, she's still talking my thing. She's talking math. She's not talking math. She's talking concepts, you know. So, so I said to her, okay, if, you, if something is $100, I'm going to see if she knows 25%. Something's $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> Then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. <laughs> what? And then she goes like this, like, you know, I'm the math idiot. <sighs> like, you don't know this? She said, Robert, if it's 50% off, it's the same thing as buy one, get one free. So if it's 50% off, it's free. And if it's 75% off, you're making money. <laughs> Which ex explains some difficulties we've had in our checkbook over the years. But, okay, so I'm going to give you a math illustration, but I won't do it long, okay? All right? Okay, so let's say you own a landscape company and you come to me and I say, listen, I want some uh, flowers and some trees and some plants and 
Okay, let me make this illustration a little more believable. Let's say you come to me and I say, Debbie wants some flowers and some plants and, you know, some trees. So you give me the price. You say, this is my total price. This is how much my materials will be. This is how much my labor will be. And my profit will be $1,000. That'll be my profit, my income. Because you tithe on your income. That's what you tithe on, your increase. And so I said, uh, so I say to you, okay, I, I accept that price. So you come, you do the work, and then I pay you for your materials and your labor. And then let's just say for your income, I give you $1,000 in cash. And I give you 10 $100 bills, okay? So you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. The word tithe means a tenth. It's the first 10%. So we know that. So, so here are my math questions, all right? So you have 10 $100 bills. You have $1,000, all right? So how much is the tithe? $100, right? Okay. Some of you are still, okay, carry the one. <laughs> That's okay, all right? You're good at other things, okay? So, all right. So, so it's $100, all right? But how do you know which $100 bill? You have 10 of them. How do you know which one is the tithe? Okay, let me tell you how you know, all right? Because we say the first one. But here's how you know. It's the first one that leaves your hand. It's the first one that leaves your account. In other words, if you go home and say, let me set aside some for the mortgage and some for the utilities and some for clothes and some for the cars and some for food, and God hears your part. No, that's not God's part. You gave the first part to the mortgage company. You gave God's part to the mortgage company, and the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. And please hear me. Here's what we do sometimes. Okay, so much for this, so much for this, so much for this. Oh, there's not enough leftover for God. Please, 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 please. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or mean or anything like that, but theologically, let me just tell you, he wouldn't receive it anyway because God does not receive leftovers. He redeems leftovers, (laughs) you and I, but he doesn't receive leftover offerings. He actually said it very clearly. He said, "You're, you're bringing me maimed animals and blind animals and crippled animals. And you think I receive them? And here's what he said. I do not receive them. I cannot. I can only receive the first. So what we do is we say, God, here, before I pay the bills, before I do that, here's the first. Here's the first portion. I'm putting you first in my life. Now, I'm not saying being legalistic about it, all right? Here's the way I do it. I get paid on the 15th and the 30th. All right, my wife says it magically appears in our account on the 15th and 30th. It's direct deposit. But I get paid on the 15th and the 30th. And so on those days when I'm having my quiet time, I go online in the morning before any money goes out of our account, and I immediately just click and send the tithe to the church. It goes just like that, just immediately. On the, on the day I receive it is when I do it. Um, my, now, let's just say that I, I forget. Let's say, and we do, we all make mistakes. Let's say I don't have my quiet time even, and I rush out. I've got an early morning flight or meeting, and I get home that night, and I think, oh, wow, I got, this is 15th, I got paid day. So I go online, and I notice that my wife has been to the grocery store that day. I don't say, oh, that's great, sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> you gave the first part to the grocery store, and so we're cursed now. You know? No, I'm not legalistic about it. And listen to me, God's not legalistic about it. I'm not trying to put something legalistic on you. I'm talking about your heart. I'm just asking you, is God first in your heart? In your heart, is he first? So I give the, the first, okay? So let me, let me go back, one more scripture, and then one way this scripture worked out in my life, and then we're finished. Exodus 13, we, that's where we started. We ended at verse 13. Look at verses 14 and 15. 
So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, remember this is about killing the firstborn, saying, what is this? Why are you killing the firstborn, dad? That you shall say to him by strength of hand, old King James says, by a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, this is the reason I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. All right? Now, you can, you can see why God would say this. Here's what he's saying. One day your son's going to get older and he's going to wonder why you're killing these animals. So I'm going to give you the answer for him, all right? Think about little boy comes running into the kitchen. He says, Mom, Dad, the, the, the sheep is having a lamb. It's her firstborn. And so they, they all get up and they start heading out to the barn, but the dad grabs the butcher knife on the way. They get out of the barn and they're sitting there. They say, oh, look. Oh, it's the miracle of life. Oh, oh he's standing up. He's standing up. And then the dad goes over, grabs this little lamb by the hind legs, and cuts its throat. And this little boy's watching this. I so you know what he's thinking, don't you? He's thinking, uh, don't mess with dad. <laughs> I, I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm never going to do that, you know. And, and it happens all while he's growing up. Every time they have a firstborn, the dad kills it. He doesn't, he doesn't know why. Eventually, doesn't this make sense? He's going to ask, why are you doing this, dad? Right? So let's just say he goes away to college, he comes back, and the dad says, hey, will you take over the books? You know, you got this college degree now, so I, the books have always been messed up. Get you one of them laptop things and, you know, take it over. And so he's in there, and he's doing the books, you know, and the dad comes in from the field, and the son's been going to the books, and he says, Dad, um, sit, sit down, Dad. Um, dad, I want to I talk to you about something. And, and um, you know, Dad, we all have blind spots. And... Um, you don't have that knife with you, do you, Dad? Okay. Um, well, um, you asked me to take over the books, and, and I, I've, just, I, I just, I've just noticed. Just, I just, it's a little thing, Dad. It's a little thing. And, uh, but I noticed that every time one of our animals has a, a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, uh, kill it. And, um, um, Dad, um, you, 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 might not, you killed 72 animals last year, Dad. And I, I've done a spreadsheet here of how much we lost in profits. And, and Dad, Dad, we're in the ranching business. And um, uh, I, don't, I don't know, this is a nervous tick with you, or I don't know what, but uh, um, why, do you, why do you kill these animals, Dad? Uh, isn't that a logical, normal question? So God said, well, he's going to ask you one day. He's going to ask you this. Here's what you tell him. You say, um, uh, son, it's, it's about time you know. Um, we weren't always in the ranching business. Um, we, we didn't own animals. Our family, our parents, we, we didn't own animals. Our grandparents, our, our ancestors. We, we didn't even own land, son. Um, son, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we were slaves. We, we didn't own any land or animals. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us. And he gave us everything that we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God. 
the first of all of our increase because we wouldn't have anything without God. Okay, now, this happened 4,000 years ago. And something almost like this happened to me. When my firstborn son was about eight or nine years old, back then I didn't pay online because we didn't have online, okay? So I wrote checks. So when I would go in to write the checks, I would write the tithe check first, and then I would set it over to the side, and then I'd take it to church with me. So I might be doing this on Tuesday or Wednesday, but I'd always write the tithe check before I paid any other bill because I'd seen this in Scripture. And I'd set it over to the side, and then I'd be paying the bills. So my son walks in who has this math mind, and he can, you know, he, he can figure out numbers and all, even though he's young, and he's reading to the church, and he sees this number, and, you know, a tithe check to a little kid, that's a big check. And all of a sudden, I could just see him, and he said, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered this scripture. And I took my son. I heard him just a while back tell this to a bunch of pastors. He says, I will never forget this day. And I took my son and I set him in my lap and I said, son, um, there's something that I need to tell you about daddy that you don't know. But daddy didn't grow up as a Christian. Daddy was a very, very bad man. He was very bad, son. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed your daddy and gave your daddy everything that we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of everything that I have. 